Let us continue as we read scripture. A reading from the book of Mark in chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, or through 41. And on that day when evening had come, he, being Jesus, said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe. And they said to one another, who then is this? And even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the word of God for us today. Thanks be to God. So I've often thought that the disciples get a bad rap. Here they are, the first people to witness Jesus's power firsthand. And yet we expect them as readers to know everything that he's going to do and to respond accordingly. Yet they aren't omnipotent narrators, they're human participants in the story of the divine. In other words, they're just like us. They doubt in the midst of storms because they've seen what storms and hurricanes and earthquakes can do, like the people of Haiti. They, like us, have lived in turbulent times when the empire appears to be unstable and insurrections are occurring and violence against minorities are common and religions are being forced upon people that don't want them. We look at the struggles of the disciples and they seem so distant from us, but really we are living in a parallel to history. The problem with this narrative isn't the story itself, but the way we have been trained to interpret it. I want to argue that the faith the disciples needed most in this narrative isn't faith in Christ or in God, but rather to have faith in each other. Jesus wasn't just napping because he lived, believed in self-care and was tired. He was sleeping because he trusted his friends would have his back. You see, the lesson wasn't lost on the disciples. If we look to the early days of the church, we see them sharing everything in common meeting financial and physical needs of one another. We see them selling property to have the cash necessary to feed each other. And we see them doing what my friend, Minister Candace Simpson would say, passing the same $25 around. According to Simpson's running joke, we queer people are all surviving by passing the same $25 around to each other. If someone needs hormone treatment, well, here's 25 bucks. I don't have the full amount. Um, if somebody is having trouble paying rent, we give them $25. If someone is struggling to pay their bills or they're about to move or they just lost their job, we all tap into our wallets. We all give our spare $25. And eventually we know that that $25 will come back to us, that one day we'll be in need and our community will be there for us, that they will be our social safety net because the government is not interested in taking care of us. In the same way, as the disciples, we turn to each other to meet our needs because we know that we are all each other have. 
we are the gift that Jesus left. The institutions of religion were out to get the disciples because they were querying this narrative. They introduced something that didn't quite fit the black and white thinking of their day. It existed outside of the norm. It included too many people. It wasn't just for Jews. It was for Greeks and Ethiopian eunuchs and for people all across the globe. The message of inclusion was rejected by the religious leaders of the day, just like the Pope, the religious leader of our day, rejects the gospel of inclusion by excluding queer couples from the blessings of his church and by excluding women from full inclusion of its life. Just notice, I said the blessing of his church, not the church of Jesus. Just like the United Methodist Church, my own denomination continues to exclude queer people as it has for the last 40 years. Just like across the globe, Christians band together to oppress queer people. Just like across the globe, the church has contributed to violent sexism and racism. We, as people of faith that exist on the margins of this institution, have a specific call to address these evils. We are called to hold up the mirror to the church and society writ large to show what ails it. Like the disciples, we are called to have the back of Jesus. We are in the storm, but we're also called to lean on each other in the midst of being shaken. Christ isn't napping, but we wait on Christ's return as we are called to steer the ship and weather the storms of life as a community, to keep passing that $25 around, to make sure that no one is lost to depression and to self-harm, to make sure that no one feels left alone, to work together to build a community of faith where all can grow and where all can seek God's praise. We, where everyone is welcomed, where everyone is affirmed and redeemed by the overwhelming love and mercy of God revealed through Jesus Christ. Our hope is not found far away in some heavenly clouds, but our hope is right here in the midst of the shit storms of life, in the midst of the Taliban taking over Afghanistan once more, in the midst of Haiti being shaken once again, right here in the midst of Greg Abbott going crazy and unleashing hell on our children, right here in the midst of all of this drama, we are called to lean on each other, to trust that God has given us everything that we need, that God has given us not a spirit of fear, but a power and a sound mind. We are called to turn mourning into dancing, to turn ashes into beauty, to melt hearts of stone and to seek out the lonely, the lost, the excluded, and the queer. And yet we're left with this question, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And I'll admit that I ask this question of God quite frequently, from Tamir Rice to Breonna Taylor to Sandra Bland to George Floyd to the hundreds of murdered black trans women, to women in general that go missing every few days, to the people that we continue to lose to gun violence every single year, and I think about it especially as we send children back to schools. I ask God, do you not care that we are perishing? God, have you forsaken us? Don't you hear the cries of kids across this world? Don't you hear the cries of children in American schools? Don't you hear the cries of racial minorities in this nation? And it's especially frustrating because most of the harm we see done is done by people that claim the name of Jesus. Why don't we see the Holy Spirit working to convict these folks of their racism and their sexism 
in their ableism, in their homophobia and the like. These days, I find myself desiring the God of the Hebrew text with wrath and fury. I want some fire and brimstone like the good old days. But that's not the God who loved me. That's not the God who grew me into who I am today and who keeps loving me into being a better person. I find myself lacking in the hope that God can make good things come out of the ingredients we have around us right now. Yet I do have a promise, and this promise that God will not quit reaching out to even the most hopeless of causes, that God won't stop loving and embracing and, dare I say, attempting to make all of us better, to offer all of us life abundant. Even in the early church, which started in the fourth chapter of Acts, sharing everything in common, still neglected to take care of ethnic minorities by chapter six. It had its struggles. Building abundant life in community is hard work. Building an equitable world is hard. Being in the church is hard work, but it's good work. And it's the work we have been called to do in the midst of the storms of life. We may be battered and bruised, but we are not defeated. We may be tired and weary, but we are not left out. We may have fears, but the perfect love of Jesus Christ can cast them out, saying, peace be still. We have power by faith to be hope in the midst of the storm for others, to be that peace, to be the calm waters. Amen.